Folks, welcome back to Olive Leaf Podcasts. It's me, Olive. Who else would it be? You know my voice by now. Hope you're all okay. Today, I wanted to change things up a little bit and do a little story time. Why? I hear you ask. Well, basically, I just read Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology book in like four hours and just devoured it like the monster that I am. And I really enjoyed it. So I thought I'd make a little podcast that you can look back on anytime you're interested in Norse mythology or need a recap. I mean, who doesn't need a recap of Norse mythology every so often? Everybody should. Um, so that's what today's going to be about. So, uh, how shall I start? Once upon a time. Actually, I'm totally not going to start telling the stories yet. I've got so much more to waffle about before then. Sorry, psych. I think mythology is really important to society. That's why I constantly talk about it. And I'm sorry if you're bored. If you are by now, why are you here? This is episode three. You understand what I'm about. But I think facts and myths are both equally as important to society as each other. Now, let me explain myself before you think... I'm crazy. Every society, every culture has its own creation myth. I'm not going to tell you them all because I don't know them all. I'm not a creation myth expert. But let's just take, for example, Adam and Eve, the Christian idea of the beginning of the earth, two people in a garden, naked, a snake's involved, some apples. You know the story. That's, in its essence, the creation of the world. God made it in seven days, chilled out on the Sunday. That's why there's no post on Sundays. Mr. Dursley got it right. Um, and that's what is the kind of established creation myth of the Christian world. Uh, you get other creation myths. I mean, even some would say the Big Bang is a creation myth in itself. Now, I'm not, <laughs> I promise you, I'm not, I'm not odd. I do believe in the Big Bang. I do believe in science. I'm all for natural selection and evolution. Like, I really, I do believe in all that. I'm not a flat earther, but please hear me out before you judge what I'm about to say. So let me break it down into real nerd talk, uh, but something that would be really cool if you threw this into conversation. You would sound so clever. Um, we have this idea of a paradigm shift, and Thomas Kuhn was the guy that first kind of created this. And that is when... A paradigm is the reigning school of thought of a certain period, and that's kind of when normal science, what we believe, that runs nice and smoothly under that paradigm. And a shift is when that all gets turned on its head, a new idea is introduced, that gains a lot more popularity, and that kind of takes over. So an example of that is the world, apparently, according to everybody on it, used to be flat. That was really widely accepted. That was completely the norm. Even Galileo got locked up in prison, I'm pretty sure, because he said it was round. Um, so that was the paradigm of the flat earth. Now, the period of a paradigm shift where things get all chaotic, normal science is just thrown out the window and things are questioned with new ideas. When those new ideas end up taking control, basically, they're not like robots, I mean, just when people believe them, then... The paradigm shifts and that becomes the new normal. So in that case, the world is round. That became the new norm for many, many people. Some people still don't believe that. Let us not talk about that. It will make me angry. 
But that was an example of a paradigm shift. The same could be said with believing Adam and Eve and the genuine creation of humans by God. And that's it. Like just humans just appeared. And then you get Darwin creeping up, believing in natural selection, looking at tortoises, having a whale of a time, maybe eating some rare animals that he probably shouldn't have. But then that was the new paradigm. Evolution was believed. So <laughs> now this is where you could lose me now with thinking I'm crazy. But please, trust me, I'm not. I know that's what a crazy person would say, but I mean, you, you just have to make your own decisions. But anyway, I think if we believe all of the science we believe now, Big Bang, the world clearly being round, um, maths, problem solving, all this kind of stuff, what? who is to say that in 200, 400, 1,000 years, scientists then aren't going to look back and be like oh my god they were morons how did they even believe that why did they do this um so i'm not a hundred percent sure that you can ever fully fully have a fact like a scientific fact i think it's all very dependent on the society and the culture in which you live who are we to say that in melanesian history for example um there was this thing called a cargo cult where people on usually islands, uh, that's what most of Melanesia is made up of, <laughs> obviously, um, would believe in kind of rituals, for example, building like a runway or kind of lighting fires, all that kind of stuff, would encourage um, gods or the people they believed in, the spirits, to give them material wealth. In fact, they were actually Western aeroplanes that would have landed and given them cargo, hence the cargo cult. So, but to them, that was that was fact. That was they believed they did this. This happened, and if it didn't work, then I mean they'd angered the gods. That was the reason, not because a plane wasn't anywhere nearby. So who are we to say that that even though we know it was an aeroplane with their cargo and it wasn't actually a supernatural entity, who are we to say that these people that genuinely believe this are wrong? It's a, I think it's quite a fine line between fact and mythology and religion even, and treading that balance, treading the balance, that's a new phrase, treading that line carefully to make sure that you don't impose your own beliefs on other people or you don't offend other people by kind of shoving your facts down their throat. What has this got to do with Norse mythology, Olive? Please continue. Yes, I know, I've gone really off tangent, sorry, this is all good stuff to bring up in coffee table, dinner table conversation. Do people have dinner table parties where you have to like say something cool and other people will respect you? I don't know. Is that just in films? To me, yes. Anyway, to do with North mythology, right. The reason I'm talking about facts and myths and paradigms and all this kind of stuff is because it is actually really useful. If you're reading mythology, specifically in this case Norse mythology, it can really help you understand the society and of this instance, the Vikings, that genuinely believed in these gods and that believed in this way of life. Um, and quite frankly, a lot of it's very odd. So were the Vikings odd? Probably. Am I odd? You probably all think so. I'm sorry, but oh well. It also shows you the kind of warrior gods that they believe in, Thor and Odin, for example, and the emphasis on feasting, on fighting, on battles, on prowess in kind of combat situations. Um, and that's clearly what was important to the society. That was the goal. If you go to Valhalla, 
you are feasting in a massive hall constantly and every night you go out and chase a boar and then every night you bring it back in with the thousands of other people in that massive hall that have all died valiantly in battle you all eat the boar next day it all happens again and you're all doing that living a great life until Ragnarok the end of the world comes and that's when you'll all be called upon to fight for your fight for your gods really so that was the that was a goal if you were a viking that was kind of your ultimate goal of course the same can be said for roman greek Celtic, everybody gods, um, but I'm talking about Norse gods today. And I promise you, now I will start telling you some stories. In the beginning was nothing. I'm not going to read a story like that. I'm going to tell you about them in my voice because otherwise it'll take too long. Um, basically, there was nothing at all. No earth, no stars or sky or anything. Um, Niflheim was above. It was kind of the dark world. And then cold, murky, misty, kind of that kind of stuff. You get it. And then suddenly was Musful or Muspel. Oh, okay. Disclaimer already. I'm going to say everything wrong. Please don't shout at me. I'm just very British and I am really struggling and I'm trying and I'll get there. Just pity me, basically, because I have to go and do my PhD and talk about these words to people that know what they're talking about. And I'm going to look like an idiot. So just I'm sorry in advance. Please don't hate me. Please don't shout at me. Muspel was light and fire and hot and burny and compared to the grey, dim Niflheim that was above. But that was, that was it. There was nothing in between. There was no earth. So that kind of big void um, was also known as the yawning gap, which was called Ginnungagap. Oh, this is hard. Why did I pick this as a topic? Anyway, it means a yawning gap. It was just where sparks and bubbles and gloop and everything joined up together from those two different worlds and formed a big <gasps> giant. You didn't expect a giant to happen. Anyway, he was called Ymir um, and he was the ancestor of all the giants. Now in Norse mythology, the race of the giants and the race of the dwarves and the race of the gods, obviously, and the race of men, they were all 100% legit. Oh, and elves obviously, <laughs> uh, dark elves as well. So they were all, in Norse mythology, 100% accurate, not just things in Skyrim. Ymir wasn't the only thing that was formed. There was also a massive cow, obviously. And from the cow, Ymir drank the milk and he grew. And the cow was called Ordhumla. Maybe, maybe you say it some other way. But anyway, the cow licked people from the salty earth so it was just licking the floor and people appeared and lots of milk was running out of its udders and everybody was drinking and from that grew a person called Buri and he's the ancestor of all of the gods that we know um he's a bit more niche but anyway while Ymir slept now it's worth noting they're not male or female um they they gave birth a male and a female giant were both born from underneath Ymir's arms and there was a six-headed giant born from its legs. And from these, all of Ymir's kids, all of the different giants were descended from these people. Now, Buri then took a wife from among these giants. That's why I'm assuming Buri's a dude. And they had a son who they called Bor. And Bor married Besla, a daughter of a different giant. And together they had three sons, Odin, Vili and V. Keely and Philly from The Hobbit. No, the Odin, Philly and V. So these three sons, they grew up 
and they decided they didn't want to just be stuck in a yawning gap. They wanted to make make the world. So that's why we know Odin as the Allfather because he's literally about to make everybody. Um, and they made it from some quite weird stuff. So they killed Ymir. That's not very nice, but there was nothing else to do. And then from stabbing the giant, blood came from the corpse and then became the sea and oceans and giant stuff, obviously. And then the soil was made from his flesh. The bones became mountains and cliffs, all that kind of stuff. And from Ymir's eyelashes, Odin and his bros made a wall of eyelashes around Midgard. And this is when Midgard was created. So it was beautiful. It was lush. There were meadows and trees and lakes and it all seemed dreamy. But there was nobody else in it. It was just the three bros. Three bros chilling out of Midgard. 100 miles apart because they're all alone. Um, so they had to do something about that. So they found a log and they found two logs, actually. One was made of ash. The other was made of elm. Um, and between the three of them, they made them into naked people. They gave them clothes and they called the man Ask for ash tree and the woman they called Embla for elm tree. And there they were. Beginning of the people. Very interesting that they're called names that begin with an A and an E. Very Adam and Evie. Let's not get into that. I haven't got the energy. But that's how the world began. Thanks to Odin and his brothers and the giant for sacrificing themselves for the good of everybody, even though they didn't have a choice because they got killed. But that is how the world began in Norse mythology. Very abstract to us, but all very relatable items. A cow, a giant, mountains, cliffs, seas, all this kind of stuff that would have been really relatable to a Viking. So you can see why they would have believed it. So I'm obviously not going to be able to tell you every different story, not even every different story in Neil Gaiman's book, because it's a book and this is not a book and I haven't got time to read the book to you. I've already read it. I thoroughly recommend it if anybody else wants to read it. But I'll introduce you to some of the main characters. Um, now you know the backstory of where it all began. Obviously, we've got Odin, the big boy. He's the all-father. He is incredibly wise um, he's extra wise and he's also called the gallows god because he hanged himself essentially on Yggdrasil or Yggdrasil or however you would like to say that word um, for nine days to gain more wisdom. So he didn't die. He just earned a lot of knowledge from it. And he's the only god to have ever done that. So that's why he's sometimes called the gallows god. Um, and he also went to a guy called Mimir who was a fountain of knowledge. He was one of the wisest gods that there were. And Mimir, he drank from the well of Erd every day. So the well of Erd is beneath Yggdrasil and it's where the three Norns, or the three fates, some would say, um, live. And they determine the past, present and the future. And that well, only person allowed to drink from it is Mimir. And that's where he gets all his infinite wisdom from. So Odin goes to him and he's like, please, can you let me drink from this? I really want to know more stuff what can I do to help you so that you'll let me have some? And Mimir was like, buddy, no, you know the rules, it's just me. And Odin was like, literally, I will give you anything. So Mimir asked for his eyeball. <laughs> Obviously, if somebody asked me for anything I wanted in the world, I don't think I'd pick their eyeball. But anyway, Odin gouged out his own eye, gave it to Mimir, which he put in the well. Um, so it's just sitting in the waters, chilling, not decaying because they're magical. Uh, and Odin had a drink. And was a genius. He knew everything from then. Um, Mimir then, 
he pitched off to the giants to become a an advisor to one of the kings there. And the king became really well loved when Mimir was around, but anytime Mimir wasn't there, everyone was kind of a bit bummed because the king wouldn't make any decisions until Mimir came back. So they kind of got bored. And anyway, long story short, he ended up his head got cut off. Not very nice. But his head then was placed by Odin in the well of Urd next to his eyeball, um, where he's still alive and happy to chat about, I don't know, whatever you want to chat about, he's really wise. So that's where Mimir lives now. So it's a bit odd, bit gory, wouldn't want to watch it in a film. I think it's really cool that the even amongst the gods, this thirst for knowledge was really keen. And I think that's probably reflected in Viking society and Norse society at the time. The fact that they explored and they ventured out into new lands and discovered like everywhere kind of proves that the thirst for knowledge was really there and it really drove them in literally day-to-day life. So of the other gods, we've obviously got Thor, the big boy, the jock. Um, would you believe I've actually never seen a Marvel film with Thor in it? So I'm sure 70% of you watching, or watching, I hope you're not watching me, um, 70% of you listening will know a lot more than I'm about to tell you anyway, because you'll have seen the films. He's the big boy with the hammer, we all know that. Um, and I'll tell you the story of how he got his hammer. So he had a beautiful wife whom he loved very much. And she was called Sif. And she had beautiful, long, flowing blonde hair. So one morning, Thor woke up and he turned around and just screamed. I'm imagining like the Homer Simpson scream with his tongue all wiggly and his eyes all, you know. Um, and she woke up and was like, what's wrong? And she touched her head and all of her hair was gone. She was completely bald. And she was like, oh my God, I have literally no idea what happened. And he just looked at her and was like, I know, it's Loki. Probably a good time for me to say that Loki is like somehow the good guy and the bad guy, but more the bad guy. He is a mischief maker, troublesome. He causes chaos, but he's also quite, he's good at solving problems. So then the gods actually do ask him for advice quite a lot of the time, but it's usually because he's messed something up in the first place and then they have to fix it. Anyway, I, I'm not a big fan. I know Tom Hiddleston plays him and there's a lot of Tom Hiddleston fans out there. I'm sorry. I'm just going by Neil Gaiman. Take it up with him. Anyway, Thor rushes over to Loki and he's like, what the hell have you done? And Loki kind of wakes up like, huh? And he's like, oh yeah, sorry. I was just super bored last night. I just, I wanted to do something fine. And Thor was like, all right, that's nice. Put my wife's hair back on her head. You evil human not a human, you vile thing. I almost said a bad word, but I didn't. I got two in character. Anyway, Loki's like, sorry, dude, can't do that. Oh, my accent's gone. I'm not going to do accents for the gods. It's just already too tiring. Um, sorry, can't do that. I literally took it out at the follicle. She's going to be bold forever. Lol, suck on that. And Thor's like, absolutely not. I will kill you. And Loki's like, all right, he's quite a big guy. Probably will. Maybe the dwarves will help you. They can make anything. Maybe they can make her some hair and they can like attach to her head and then be fine. And Thor's like, what a good idea. Go and do it or I'll kill you. So Loki toddles off, kind of a bit annoyed because he just had some fun last night and now he has to clean up his mess. And then he goes to the dwarves and he plans a new scheme So Loki soon found himself in a place called Svartalheim, which was where the dwarves have their workshops. 
and they are like, like they can make literally anything. So he goes to three sons of a guy called Ivaldi, and that's what they're just called. Hey guys, I've heard that the best dwarf craftsmen around here are these two brothers called Brock and Eatry. Uh, what do you think of this? And all the brothers are like, that's absolutely ludicrous. No, we're the best craftsmen. We can make absolutely anything you'd want. And Loki's like, all right then. Well, I've heard, I've heard otherwise. So let's uh, make it a bit of a challenge. Uh, the gods will judge who's the best. So you've got to make three really amazing things. And then the other brothers will make some amazing stuff too. And then we'll compare it and uh, see who comes out top. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. No problem. And then he's like, yeah, but there's one thing you should uh, know. You've got to make some golden hair that when somebody puts it on, it literally starts to become their hair and it starts growing. And they're like, easy, no problem. Uh, so Loki toddles off really happy. He keeps toddling off. I've never said the word toddle in my life. And I've said it twice in this podcast. Loki clearly is a toddler. <laughs> um, so he then goes off to Brock and Eatry. And he does, gives them the exact same spiel. Hey, dudes, competition. What are you going to make? But instead, this time, Brock says, No, I know you, Loki. You literally never tell the truth. You never do anything honourable. This is a trap or a trick of some sorts. We're not falling for it. And Loki was like, What? Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who you mean. Um, so Brock's like, Well, all right, I'll do it. If we have a wager, and he's like, oh, fine, whatever. Uh, right, says Brock. If we're going to do this, if we win, I get your head. And Loki's like, oh, man. Like, he just had a wild bender last night, and now he's betting his head on whether this can work. So he says, all right, fine. Yep, no problem. Just make the stuff. Let's sort this out. Go. At this point, Brock's feeling pretty chuffed with himself. He's made a bet with Loki that he's pretty certain he can win. Him and his bro are, are the best craftsmen in his mind. So they get to work and Brock's on the bellows, making sure that the furnace stays at the right temperature. Meanwhile, Eatree's outside crafting. So he goes outside and he's like, right, Brock, you gotta make sure that you keep these bellows at the exact same temperature, keep the rhythm going, do not falter, otherwise you're gonna mess up literally everything I'm gonna make. So he's like, no problem. So Ichi goes outside and then suddenly a mysterious black fly that's very large comes in and starts whirring around Brock's head. Of course it's Loki. He can shapeshift naturally. Um, and he starts really annoying him and biting his hands and trying to get Brock to falter. Um, but of course Brock is too seasoned a pro to do this and he maintains the speed. Ichi comes back and he's like, sick, I made a great thing. Next one. But this is even more important. You've got to keep this even more steady, a bit faster, because this new thing is going to be even better than the last one. Go. So the same thing happens again. But this time, Loki the fly is not having any of it. So instead, he starts biting his neck. So he whacks his teeth into... I mean, I don't know how big fly's teeth are, but this was a person, so I'm assuming they're human teeth on a fly. Really gross image. But anyway, he bites Brock's neck so hard that it starts to draw blood. But Brock doesn't falter, keeps the bellow steady. Happy days. Eatry comes back in beaming like, oh my God, bro, you've never seen something like this. I have outdone myself. Next one, final gift he's making for the god. And he's like, right, 
this is the ultimate thing I'm ever going to make. And it requires the steadiest hand in existence, Brock. You got me? And Brock's like, I got you, bro. So he goes outside, carries on. This time, Loki's realising in his tiny fly brain that he's probably going to lose his head if he doesn't do something a bit more drastic. So as Brock starts the bellows, the fly bites his eyeballs, like attacks his eyelids, bites so hard that there's blood, there's sweat running down Brock's face and he's blinking it, trying to get it away, but he obviously can't move his hands to swipe the fly away. He's shaking his head, but it seems to be too much for Brock. So just before Eitri finishes his magical item, he falters and he drops the bellows to swipe away the fly. I mean, he was going to go blind, so I'd probably do the same. He had a lot more willpower than I do. I can't even handle a scratch that I can't itch or an itch that I can't scratch. I've always got those two the wrong way around. But the point is, Eitri comes back in and he's like, what happened? And then he looks at Brock and he's literally got blood all over his face and sweat everywhere. And he looks like he's a mess of a human. So he goes a bit easy on him. And he's like, right, it's all right then. I, I basically finished it. A tiny change has happened, but it's, it's probably all right. We're going to be fine. So next day rises. Loki's a god again. He's not a fly. Uh, and he brings Brock. Eitri's too shy. He stays at home. And the three sons of Ivaldi, and they all go to meet Odin, Thor, and Frey, who are the judges of this competition. Now, the next part of the story means I have really complicated words to say, so please forgive me. But the three sons of Ivaldi step up, and first of all, they present Odin with a spear called Gungir. Gungnir. Uh, and it was beautiful, carved with really intricate runes, and it was said to penetrate anything, and whenever you throw it, it will always hit whatever you throw it at. And Odin was like, oh, this is amazing. I've only got one eyeball. This is great. And also, an oath taken on the spear is unbreakable. And Odin's all about his oaths and his pacts. So he's like, oh, this is excellent. How can anything be better than this? So next thing, uh, they give Thor a beautiful flowing head of hair made of gold that will attach itself to anybody's head. And he instantly goes to give it to his wife. She puts it on her head. She's as stunning as ever, if not more beautiful. And she runs off to show all of her friends. Now she's not bald. So Thor's like, I'm impressed. Thank you very much. And then it's Frey's turn. So the brothers give him a, what looks like a scarf or a cloth. But it's actually called Skidbladnir. <laughs> why, why am I doing this to myself? Skidbladnir. And it's actually a ship. So if you unfold it, uh, the cloth becomes a ship and it will always have a fair wind. And it's huge enough to fit many, many different people on it. But light as a feather. I mean, so I think we can all agree that impeccably chosen and made gifts. So the gods are like, whoa, these dudes are like beyond anything we'd ever have thought. Uh, how can anybody beat this? And then it's Brock's turn. And even though his eyes, bless him, were like red, blotchy, swollen, and he had massive insect bites on his hands and his neck, he stepped up to the plate. And first of all, he gave Odin a ring that goes around his arm called Draupnir. And every ninth night, eight more gold arm rings, equally as beautiful, will fall from it. So then he can reward people with them, store them somewhere. They're really like expensive, so, it's, so Odin can't complain. It's pretty good gift um he's like oh this is amazing thank you and he slipped up on his arm and he's all about the vikings and um 
Norsemen were all about oath rings. And if you swore an oath on an oath ring or on a spear or a sword, they were bindings. They were all about their oaths. So that was important. Um, Second of all, Brock walked over to Frey and he raised a cloth and revealed a huge boar made entirely of gold. And it will race across the sky and over the sea and he was faster than any horse. And because it's so golden, it'll always be bright so you can always see where it goes and it will always give off a kind of light. And it's called Gullin Bursty, the golden bristled one. And Frey's like, oh, a ship and a boar. I am sorted for life. This is great. Uh, and then he goes to Thor and he produces dun, 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 a hammer. So, of course, this is Mjolnir, the hammer of Thor. Um, and Thor looks at it and he's like, the handle's a bit short. No? And Brock's like, oh, yeah, my bad. I mean, looked at Loki, gave him a bit of a side glance. And he's like, that's my fault. I'm really sorry. But before you dismiss it, let me tell you about it. The fact that it's got a um, short handle means that you just have to use your one hand to use it. You don't need two hands. Uh, if you throw it, it will never miss what you throw it at. It will always return to you completely unbreakable no matter how hard you hit something with it it will never get damaged and you can even fold it up and it will be so tiny that you can put it in your shirt so it's not even going to be a hindrance to you and Thor's eyes are just like gleaming he's like this is the best thing ever and even though he wanted the lovely hair for his wife there's nothing compared to this massive hammer because he's he's fond of hitting stuff and killing things and breaking stuff so he was just clapping his hands and he's like, this is unbelievable. I don't even care that it's got a short handle. It's actually probably better for me because I can just whack it away with one hand. It's time for the judgment and unanimously the gods all decide that Brock and Eitri are the winners. And Loki's like, what the hell are you talking about? He, the, the other guys made you like a ship and a spear and like, how can you be doing this? And he's like, sorry, I mean, yeah, she got hair, but you screwed that over in the first place. I've now got a hammer, says Thor. So... They win, and then Brock's like, well, Loki, it's time for your head. And Loki's like, well, I promised you my head, but I didn't promise you my neck. So you can't cut my neck off, so you can't actually get my head. And it's just like trying to wheedle out of it. And to be fair, that is quite a good loophole. And Odin kind of agrees, like, yeah, I mean, I guess so. That's not really true. So Brock goes over to Odin, he's like, whispers in his ear. He's like, can I do something else, though, please, because he's really annoying. And Odin's like, yeah, that's totally cool. So instead, uh, Brock ends up sewing up Loki's mouth with a piece of leather, sewing his lips to the piece of leather so he can't talk. And that's the most annoying thing for Loki, humanly possible or godly possible, because uh, he always wants to talk. It's, I understand that feeling. Uh, so Brock's kind of satisfied. Not only has he won, but he's also shut Loki up. So win-win for Brock, even though he's a bit bloodied up. Um, but that's the story of how Thor got his hammer. And the other artifacts, artifacts, I'm such an archaeology nerd. Uh, the other items that were presented to the gods come up in different Norse myths. Frey's ship and boar appear later on and Odin's spear and arm rings and stuff. You get the picture. They all come up. So they've all been very useful. Um, and Brock and Eitri and the sons of Valdi are all famed craftsmen. So it all worked out well for everyone except Loki. So he got his punishment. But I'm totally fine with that because he does my head in. So they were a couple of bite-sized Norse mythological stories. Um, I think I'm going to do a couple more in my second part of this podcast. Um, and I won't talk about paradigm shifts and Melanesian culture in the next one. 
I'll just go right in with a couple more stories for you. But I think these were good introductions. They're kind of the main ones. How everything started and how Thor got his hammer. They're kind of the most recognisable things of Norse mythology. So I hope that's helped start you off on a lifelong love of Norse mythology. And if you just want to hear more, then there will be another podcast about this very soon. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, I will see you in the next one, part two of Norse Mythology. And I hope you all have a wonderful, magical day. And I will speak to you soon. Bye.